This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Uh, glad you're here. So glad you're here with us. Uh, happy December uh, 2nd. I can never keep up with the date for the life of me. Um, I think it's December 2nd. Uh, so happy beginning of Advent. Advent means waiting. Uh, so the, the season of Advent, if you've ever done an Advent calendar or just heard of Advent, is uh, a waiting and anticipation um, for Christmas, right? For the coming of Jesus. And so uh, this begins a, a season of waiting. And uh, waiting is terrible. Like I, I despise waiting on things. Uh, you know, waiting for Christmas is awful. Waiting for Christmas break is terrible. Um, waiting for test results to come back, uh, school or, or hospital or, or doctor visits or something. Waiting for that relationship, that love of your life. Um, waiting for a family. Waiting for a new job. Waiting to hear the call back even if you got the new job or not, just one way or the other. Um, just waiting is awful. I hate waiting with an intense passion. That's why we have things that are immediate now, right? That's why we have Amazon Prime that can deliver in one day. Uh, that's why we have microwaves. Like, I don't need to cook anything in the oven for 30 minutes. I can cook it for 30 seconds and we'll be great, you know? Or uh, Netflix, right? The wild thing about Netflix, I don't even know if you know this, um, is that it started where you like picked out ahead of time the movies you wanted to watch and then waited for them to show up in the mail in a DVD form. Like, wild that you can't just click on it and boom, there it is, you know? But that's because we're a culture that despises waiting. We want everything right in front of us. We want everything right now. Um, we, we hate it. We hate waiting. We really just, we're, we're anxious and we are restless and we want to know right now, whatever it is. Um, the reason we hate waiting so much is because waiting means that we are looking forward to something that we don't yet have. Something about the status quo, something about life as it is right now is not what we want. And so we're waiting for something better. We're, we're, we're waiting for that new thing to come in. We're waiting for that new job. We're waiting for the change in life. We're waiting for the hurt to go away. We're waiting for something better. If we have what we're, we want, we're not waiting for it. And so we're good. But when we're waiting, right, we're waiting for something else. Right? Does that make sense? Everybody with me here? Okay, we're a little slow this morning. We're a little like dragging on it. And so I'm just like, okay, are we? So when we wait, we're waiting for something better, something else. And, and now we get ourselves in trouble, and we all do this, when we're waiting for something, but we can't just patiently wait. And so we got to get our hands in there and kind of try to work the system and figure things out ourselves. And then now we find ourselves in trouble because we're settling for, you know, he's not everything I dreamed of. Like he'll change one day. And so I'll be in this relationship because I don't want to wait for the right type of person. I just want to be in a relationship now, right? And so we, we, we try to get in there and we settle. Or we, 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 you know, we're, we're not happy with what we currently have, and we don't really necessarily have the money to, to buy it, and we don't want to wait for the paychecks and the savings, so we just want to, you know, accrue debt because we need it now, right? And so the problem that we run into with waiting is because we're not satisfied, we're naturally, we want to control things and get in there and, and fix it. And just a lot of times there's things that we, we can't control, right? There's just a lot of things in life that you you can't control. And we get ourselves in trouble when we try to step in and take care of things ourselves. Right? Like that's when things go bad. 
So, so here's what I want to ask you today. What are you waiting for? Like, like seriously, take a second. You don't have to say it out loud so you can be brutally honest. If you could get one thing for Christmas this year that would make your heart happy, what is it? What are you waiting for? Is it a relationship? Is it peace for a restless heart? Healing? You're waiting for the grades to be right? You're waiting for a job? What is it that your heart most desires? So here's the good news. To those of us who are waiting, which I think is probably all of us, the answer for what we're waiting for has come. The answer's come. It's here. And it may not be exactly specifically what we're looking for, what we think we're waiting for, but what we're ultimately waiting for has come. There's good news today of great joy for all people that what you're waiting for you don't have to wait anymore. It's here. Today we're going to look at two individuals in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Luke chapter 2. Two people who were waiting, who were looking, who were wanting something different. Who were wanting something better, a change in life. And so like us, they were not satisfied with the status quo. They were not satisfied with something in their lives. And so they were waiting for something else. They were looking ahead, looking forward to something better. So whatever it is that you thought of, like this is ultimately what I want most. Like It may be a different fill in the blank, but it's the same heart that these two people had. Waiting for something else, something better, something to change. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25, and we will read to the end, nope, to verse 38, my apologies. Luke 2, 25. Now, actually, this, I, I hate the way the English translates this because it actually starts with the word behold, which I love. Uh, Spurgeon says the word behold is a divine highlighter. Like anytime you see the word behold, you, you should just be like, oh, time out. God wants me to see this, right? Like it's this, hey oh, look here. So behold, behold, now there was a man. I hate that the English doesn't have it, but it doesn't. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting, there's our word, there's our key word, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for, the Gentile, for, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul so that the thoughts from, from many hearts may be revealed. I mean, that's just, don't, don't bring that to a new mom. Like, just don't talk about swords piercing through hearts. Like, just let her, just I'll pass on that one. Let this be the only time that's said, okay? Perfect, good. Then there was a prophetess, Anna, 
the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So we've got two people here, right? Simeon and Anna. Both were waiting. Both were were actively looking for a change in their life. They needed something else. They were not satisfied with all that was in life. Simeon, it says in verse 25, was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was was actively looking, ready to receive the consolation of Israel. The word consolation, the verb of that is to console. It's to comfort. It's to wrap up someone that is hurting, to bring peace to a restless soul. Israel had been promised that a new king would come from David, and that king would rule and his kingdom would never end. They were waiting for their nation, for their their lives to be put back together because it had been broken time and time and time again. And so Simeon is waiting for the healing and the comfort in his heart, longing for that change. You ever needed to be comforted? You ever just had a hurt in your heart that you begged to go away? Simeon understands that. He was waiting for this consolation to be consoled, for things to be made right again. Anna, it says, um, over in verse 38, that she was speaking to others. It, the, the context alludes that she was speaking to those that were with her, for the rede- waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. The word redemption means to, to redeem, to purchase back, to set free from a captive situation and to give someone life to live a new day, right? It was often used in terms of slaves. When you would redeem a slave, you buy them into freedom and you set them free to go live a new day. Well, Anna, it says that she was a widow. She was old and she was a widow. She got married most of the time. Jewish girls got married um, in their mid-teenage years. Uh, one thing I love about the, the, the Bible and their culture uh, is that dating didn't happen. Like it was just like, you're, you're 14, 15, and he's like, okay, we're gonna do this. Let's get married. And then you don't have to worry about that whole dating scene. Like it's done. Um, and so she gets married early on, but then in her early 20s, her husband dies. Her early 20s, she's a widow. All the dreams, all the hopes, the talks of a family, and her husband's gone. Now the problem for Anna in this day and age, unfortunately, is that as a widow, she was basically then left homeless and on her own. She, she had no one to support her. She, she, her value was connected to her husband, and now her husband was gone, and so her value was gone. And she was just waiting for redemption for a new day, for, for the sun to shine on her life again and tell her, hey, go and live. Like it's, it's over. You ever longed for a new day, a fresh start, f- for what was holding you down and back to be gone so that you can walk forward in freedom? Man, Anna understood that. So you've got these two people who are restless, who are, who are unsettled. They're waiting for something better, right? They're like you and me. Maybe a different subject line, but they're waiting for something different in their life that they think will satisfy them. 
that they think will finally comfort them and set them free and give them what their heart desires. They're waiting for a better Abraham and a better family. They're waiting for a king that will come whose kingdom will not end. They're waiting for a new covenant that they don't have to measure up to God anymore because they know they can't measure up, but that God will measure up for them, that God will do the work for them. They're waiting for these new covenants. And in an instant, everything changes. Their waiting ends. Simeon, is, he says in, in verse, in verse uh, one too many pages, verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Man, the, the peace, the consolation that he longed for, he's got it. It's here. It's there. Anna, she, she immediately goes out and starts telling everybody, right? Her life has changed in an instance. The redemption that she longed for, it's here. So what happened? What changed? What, cha- what brought them everything they were waiting for and looking for? Verse 27. And he, talking about Simeon, came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus... Everything changed. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, everything changed. Simeon was looking, he was waiting, he was longing for consolation, and Jesus shows up, and he's got everything he was looking for. Anna was desperate for redemption, for a new day, and Jesus shows up, and she's got everything she was looking for. Because Jesus changes everything. Jesus is what they were waiting for. They just didn't know it. But as soon as they saw Jesus, they knew that what they were waiting for was him. A couple interesting things that I think to note about this. One, their circumstances never changed. At least not that we know of. The the consolation that Simeon thought he was looking for was this new political ruler who's going to come in and he's going to sit on a throne and he's going to return Israel back to the prominence that they once had. To, to the life of flourishing that they once had. That's what Simeon thought he was looking for. And, and so it, it wasn't that the circumstances in his life changed. It wasn't that Anna's circumstances in her life changed. She was still a widow in a culture that didn't respect or value widows. It's that Jesus showed up and Jesus changes everything. Y'all, so often we think the change we want is in a circumstance. We think that that what we're waiting for and longing for that will satisfy us is in a change of circumstances. That if we finally find that right person, then we'll be satisfied. The problem is there is no right person. Like there is no person that can carry the weight of our satisfaction. If the job changes, then we'll finally have what we're looking for. I just need that new job. And the problem is we're going to get to that new job and then we're going to find that the grass actually isn't greener. Because the job cannot carry the weight of our satisfaction. If I can just get this person's approval, if I can just pass this class, if this will change, if I'll get that, if this circumstance will change, but the circumstances cannot satisfy our hearts. Y'all, we have to get that because we link our hearts to treasures that cannot last. We connect our heart's desires to things that will fade away, to people that will change and will hurt us, to, to circumstances that cannot last. It wasn't the return of Israel to prominence that was going to satisfy Simeon. It was Jesus. 
It wasn't a new husband or a different status in, in her culture that was going to change Anna. It was Jesus. Their circumstances didn't change. Jesus showed up. And when Jesus shows up, when we grab him, everything else takes its proper place. We're going to be satisfied in the other things when our heart is satisfied in Jesus. Now, does this mean that it's wrong to, to long for something? Like, is it wrong to want a new job or to, to want to have a family or to want to graduate? Like, no, it's not long to want and wait for those new, like, it's not wrong to want those things. Where we go wrong is when we connect our heart's value ultimately to those things because they're going to let us down. And when they fall, so will we. When that person disappoints you, so goes your heart. Because we weren't created to worship a circumstance or a person or a thing. We're created to worship Jesus. So it's not a change of circumstances that changes their lives. It's Jesus that changes their lives. The second thing I find fascinating about these people is it's not religion that, that satisfied them. Like these two were the varsity of the religious team, right? Like it just says uh, uh, of Simeon, he was righteous and devout and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Like that's a legit description of someone. I, I would be happy for that. Righteous and devout. He had good character with others. He was devout with the Lord. The Holy Spirit was on him, and yet he lacked something. Anna, she spent every day at the temple in prayer and fasting. Y'all, I struggle with fasting because I like things, and I like to eat, and I like stuff. I don't like to let go of stuff. And Anna's like, no, 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 none of this matters. There's something more, and I need it. Like, they were incredibly religious, and yet they missed something because religion without Jesus is empty, if all we do is come and we sing these songs, but we don't realize that we're singing them to the Lord and to Jesus, if we sing that he paid my debt in full, and we don't realize that Jesus actually paid my debt in full and made me alive, it's empty. And we're going to sing words and we're going to walk away and be like, eh, you know, I don't really get it. Because our focus was not on Jesus, it was on religion. Religion without Jesus, man, it's empty. Like sleep in, do something else. But if we have Jesus as the focus of our religion, man, that's life-changing. That's when we start to really find worship and joy and peace. So it wasn't religion that gave them what they were looking for. It was Jesus. So wh why Jesus? Why this 40-day-old baby? Right? Like, I I've, I've had babies. They're not that impressive. You know, like I love them for sure. Don't get me wrong. I do. But all they do is cry and eat and poop and like you're like, all right, well, cool. So what makes, like what, why, why Jesus? Because this was not just some baby. This was Emmanuel, God with us. St. Augustine, man, he, he's somebody I just, I, I love his story and and just things that he said as a, as a youngster, St. Augustine, man, all he wanted was happiness and pleasure. Like Augustine, he just wanted to, to live up life like to the full. So Augustine is your dude that last night on Saturday is going to be on 6th Street and is probably still going to be there this morning. 
right? Like he is trying to grab hold of everything that, that, that the world says this is where you're going to find pleasure. And so he lived a reckless life. Man, he was just going from girl to girl to girl. He was just trying to find whatever he could do that would give him pleasure. And yet he, he says in his writings, it left me empty. Like I always had to go back for more because it didn't leave me satisfied. And then he starts reading through the book of Romans. And, and he, he, he reads that God, God created him for, for, a perp, for a relationship with him, but he walked away. And yet still God pursued in love. And while he was a sinner, Christ died for him. And that Christ removes the condemnation that is written on his name, on his life, and that in Jesus, by faith, he is resurrected to be a new person. And he gets to Romans 13, 14, and it says, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. And he said the light bulb just went on. That the flesh, the things of the flesh of the world that were lacking, it's because he didn't have Jesus. That Jesus is ultimately what he was looking for. And he wrote this line, he said, You have created us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. He he got it that, that he was created for God and that his heart was always going to be restless if he was trying to connect it and attach it to something other than God. Because the joy and the life that we're looking for, what we're waiting for, what we want different is more of God. Not a change of circumstances, not more pleasure, not different things. It's God. And Jesus is God with us. That's why Jesus changes everything. Because Jesus is the way that we're restored to the presence of God. Jesus is how our sins are removed. And by faith, we're brought back into the presence of God. That's why Jesus changes everything. Because he is God and he is our restoration to the presence of God. So what are you waiting for? Like what was that one thing that if you had it, you could, like Simeon said, depart in peace? Is it comfort like Simeon? You're waiting for healing. That healing is found in Jesus. That comfort is found in knowing that God sees you, God knows you, and he loves you the same. And that in Christ, your sins are removed. That's the greatest comfort we can have. No one else can comfort us like that. Are you waiting for redemption? For your life to be redeemed, to be start over, to be made new? Well, it's only in Jesus that that the old is gone and the new has come. It's only in Jesus that the old creation, the old self is done, and Jesus gives us a new life and a new heart. The only redemption we're truly looking for is in Jesus. Are are you you looking for love? You just want to know that you belong, that you've got somebody there? And well, nobody else is going to fill that for us. But the steadfast love of God never fades. And he demonstrates that through Christ, who died for us while we were sinners. Is it, is it security? Like you just want to be safe and secure? Well, there's no security outside of knowing that you are his and that he can never let you go or lose you. That who you are in Christ is done, sealed, and secure. What are you waiting for? 
Because I promise you, Jesus is the answer. It may not mean your circumstances change, but it may mean that you'll, it will mean that you'll have contentment and satisfaction because of who Christ is and what he offers you. And they, they were waiting. We wait. And Jesus is our answer. Knowing him more, having him more, is where our hearts are longing. So you, you may think like, oh, this, like, maybe for some people, but not me. Like, I'm, I've messed up too much. I've tried it. It didn't work. Uh, like, I don't know. I can't. I don't know. Like, not for me. What I love is that Simeon, he says, verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon just says, this baby Jesus is the salvation for the whole world. The invitation is open for all. Come as you are. Restless, hurting, broken, angry, come as you are and let Jesus change your life. It's offered for all. It's offered for all. So why Simeon and Anna? Right? Like why did, why did Simeon and Anna see Jesus? There were other people there. There were other people at the temple. There were other people all around. Like this is a public ceremony. What was unique about Simeon and Anna? Uh, I think in part uh, it's just the sovereignty of God and that's how he chose to reveal himself. Like we can't deny that. God, God's God. He gets to do what he wants. But I think a big part, a major reason, is that they were actively looking. Like they were actively waiting for God's promise to come through. Their eyes were fixed on Jesus. It's, it's kind of like, you know, if you want a new job, you can go about it two ways, right? Like you can just sit back and wait and hope that maybe one will like show up in your inbox or like a recruiter will call you and be like, hey, you're perfect. Everything you want in a job, I'm just gonna give it to you. Or you can like put out a resume, you can network with people, you, you, you can go and interview, you can ask around. Like there's two different ways to wait for a new job. One is passive and foolish. So if that's your style for waiting for a new job, like it's not gonna go well, I'm just telling you now. One is active and intentional. One is focused, right? So there's both ways are waiting for a new job. One is much more intentional and active. That's how they were waiting for God and for him to come through. One commentator I read said he had vertical vision. They, they were looking up for God's promise. Yes, he was looking for the consolation of Israel. She was looking for redemption, but they were looking for God's promise. They weren't looking around them and trying to get their hands and be like, okay, we need healing. Like that guy, he can be a leader. Let's talk to him and let's round him up and let's see if we can get a crew around him and then we can have our consolation of Israel. Anna wasn't in there trying to like fix the situation. Like her focus was on God and trusting that his promises would come true. Their eyes were fixed on him. They were actively waiting and positioning themselves to receive from God. I think the reason that they saw what God, they saw God and they, they heard him and they received his answers is because they were actively looking for him. They, they weren't trusting in something else. They were looking for God. Their hope was in him. It was unwavering in him. If you want to see God, if you want to see Jesus like they did, look for him. Actively wait for him. Don't go trust in something else. 
Don't turn your eyes and your hearts to something else. Fix your eyes and your hearts on Jesus and wait for him. Position yourself to hear from him, to learn from him, to engage him. So it, I think of it kind of like sailing. Anybody ever sailed before? Any sailors? Awesome. Yeah, we're in Texas. Like, come on, nobody sails. You know, one day, though, I'm going to go sailing. It's going to be great. Um, but you need two things to sail. Not like, a, not like a boat. I'm sailing, right? You need two things to sail. You need wind and you need to sail, okay? If you've got the sails but no wind, that's not sailing. That's just floating, okay? Fine. It's cool, but you're not sailing. Right, if you've got wind but no sails, I mean, that's just wishful thinking, right? Like, you're not going anywhere still. You, so you need wind and you need sails. Now, you can't make the wind blow, but you sure as heck can set the sails. I can't make God do what I want him to do, but I sure as heck can position myself to hear from him and receive from him when he does. Simeon and Anna couldn't force God's hand. They didn't tell God, hey, Jesus is going to be born in my lifetime and you're going to do this. They, but they positioned themselves and they waited and they hoped and they trusted and they looked to him. Now, I, I think the reason we don't hear from God is we don't wait for him. We know how to wait for Netflix and binge watch a TV show. We know how to look for friends and for people and for a fun time. We know how to selfishly pursue our own desires and ambitions, but just to sit and posture ourselves and fix our eyes and our heart on the Lord, gosh, we're pathetic. Like we're just, it's just tough. We're not great at it. And so we don't hear from him because we're not waiting on him. We're not positioning ourselves. Like you, you, you've heard me in any other church you've been to say, hey, we need to read our Bibles. That's not just because I'm trying to like boost sales of a Bible. I don't get anything out of that. It's because these are the words from, of God. And when we wait and position ourselves, we hear from him. This is why this matters. It's, it's not just because we feel some emotional thing or we get a donut or two or three. We position ourselves here to engage with the living God. This is why community groups, just like, those things matter. They're not just practices like, oh, we got to do something, right? Like, we got to put some, some bars on our website, look legit. It's because that is actively positioning ourselves to wait from God. It is removing other things that distract our eyes from him and inputting things that fix our eyes on him. It, we got to position ourselves to hear from him or we're never going to. That, that's on us. That's on us. I've been, I've been asking myself, why does, why does God make us wait? Because waiting is brutal. Brutal. Like, why does God make us wait? I, I think, honestly, some of it is our own doing, our own sinful choices, and there's consequences to that. And so we're going to have to wait, and we're going to miss out on what God's doing because we're, we're the dummies, you know? But also, God says that he makes us wait for our good and for the good of others. In 2 Peter 3, God says he's slow in Jesus' returning because he wants more people to have a chance to respond in faith. And so we wait for Jesus to come back and finally fix things because there's a lot of people around us who don't know him. Psalm 27 says we wait on the Lord so that our strength is built up and our courage is built up. 
He's doing good work in the waiting. He's building our faith. He's creating a humility in us that we're not all all that impressive and we kind of need God to step in here. So it's hard, but he's doing good things. So I want to finish with why we can trust him. Because waiting is hard. And we want to get in there and fix it ourselves. So why can we trust God with our lives and with our hearts? Two reasons, I'm sure there's more, but two um, that that came to mind. One from nature and one from Christmas. So uh, Job chapter 38. Job was in a rough spot. If anybody was waiting for a new day, it was Job right? Um, Dude just went through a really challenging stretch, and he gets to the point where he's like, God, what in the world? Like, are are you, are you for real right now? Is this really happening? Are you legit? And, and and then God responds in verse 38. He says, uh, dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Anytime God comes at you like that, it's not, ooh, shoot. So God's like, come on, step up, dude. Let's talk about this. And he says in verse four, hey, Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding of that. I'd like to know. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Who stressed the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. He says, Job, look at the sea. Who shut in the sea with doors? When it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther and here your, your proud waves shall be stayed. Job, who, who did all that? Verse 12, hey Job, have you commanded the morning since your days began? That sunrise you saw today, did you, did you bring that about? And cause the dawn to know its place? God says, Job, I know you're questioning, but man, look around and remember that there's someone bigger. There's someone behind all this. Like, I got this. Uh, Have you ever seen a sunset? Anybody brave enough to wake up early for a sunset? Like, active participation here. Come on, somebody. Sweet. Rise. Thank you. Waking up is rise. Staying up. Never mind. You know what I mean. Y'all know what I mean. Come on. Sunset. Rise. Rise. You ever seen a sunrise where it comes up and it makes the day happen again, right? Yes, we got a few of you. So let's say you're sitting there at Mount Bunnell. I don't know, like that's a good spot. And you're, you're sitting there and it's dark. It's like, what, 5 a.m. or something because that's crazy. And someone walks up and they're like, hey, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm waiting for the sunrise. Like, they're not going to ridicule you for that. They're not going to be like, oh, that's stupid. Like, it's not going to come up today. What are you thinking? There's not going to be a sunrise. No one thinks that, right? Because for every day that we have been alive and every day that we know the world has existed, the sun has risen. And yes, I know science people, it's not actually the sun moving, it's the earth, but you know what I mean, right? Every morning the sun comes up, right? That's what God says here. Have you commanded the morning since your days began? Every morning the sun comes up, and we don't question that. Like we trust that the sun's gonna rise, and so we'll sit there and we'll wait, and we'll watch, and we'll watch, because we know it's gonna come. And so how much more can we trust the one that makes the sun to rise every single morning? 
right? If we can trust without question that it's okay to wait here for the sun to rise, how much more can we trust the one who every single morning just continues to spin this thing we called earth so that we see the sun rise again? He's good for it, y'all. He's good for it. Like, he can handle this. The second reason we can trust him is because of Christmas. Is because every December we celebrate that God himself left heaven and stepped on this thing called earth to serve us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, this mind of humility, this mind of considering others as more significant than yourself. Have this mind among you which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he was God himself, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That Jesus, God himself, willingly let go of what was his to have and stepped onto this earth that first Christmas to serve and to save us. He served us being, form in the, being found in the human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is the evidence that we can trust God, that we can wait. Because in the greatest way known, he's demonstrated his faithfulness to us. The cross is the greatest example that we can trust him that he's got our best interest in mind. And that even when we're waiting and we don't understand and it hurts and we just wanna fix it and we just want something better, God says, I'm working it. I'm good for it. I'm working for your good. You can trust me. So what are you waiting for? What does your heart desire? The Bible tells us that everything we're looking for is found in him. And that only when we're satisfied in him will we be satisfied in the other circumstances of life. Let me invite you to pray with me for a minute. And I just want to encourage you to submit that question before the Lord. What are you waiting for? And would you ask God, if you're willing, just to, just to speak to you and to let your heart know how he is the answer to whatever it is you're waiting for? Because everyone here is unique and everyone's story is different. But God is the same and he can speak to you specifically and answer the longing of your heart in Jesus. So I just want to invite you to take a minute. And ask the Lord to speak to you.
word says that your steadfast love is better than life itself. That to know your love, it outweighs everything else. And your love is seen and known in Jesus. God, your word says that you open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. You are the satisfaction of all of our desires. The full weight of our heart's desire can rest in your hands. And so God, we confess that we have loved other things. We have tried to to fix our, our longings and our desires on our own. We've tried to take matters into our own hands and we're exhausted. We're beaten, we're tired, but Jesus, you give us rest because you can handle it. So God, teach us where we stray. Teach us, open our eyes to see where we, where we chase after other things for our, our satisfaction. Give us the courage and the confidence that you can handle it. That whether our circumstances change or not in you, we can be content. We can truly be content and satisfied no matter what's going on around us. God, that's a peace. That's a rest that we all desire. God, you're good to us. Spirit, speak to us that we would know you and love you more. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com. 